Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Boots and Backstraps podcast. Brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. Come on now. Honey's on looking for backstraps way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps. Hey everybody, this is a show where we talk all things hunting and country music. From the classics through today. From big bucks to bull elk. We've got it all. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Boots and Backstraps. I am your host Shane Michael, and I'm joined as always by the ever so handsome and world famous Tom Cat. Hey man, how are you? <laughs> what? Where's my come on now? Come on now. Come on now. I feel like we didn't start in the right spot. You didn't I know. I'm now. a little disoriented because uh, the Did lights are so bright. On. And forgive me, folks. I have to do this. There. Now we're now we're talking. Can you see me? I can. <laughs> uh, TK. Well, we, we, we used to be professional. No. <laughs> Do not lead people down that path. No. Here. here's Good to be here again. We have a, an amazing guest this evening. Some Jack Daniels. Uh, one of my best friends. And uh, we'll introduce him here in a minute. But uh, I'm really happy and really excited about tonight's show. So... Uh, well, I did a little research leading coming into this, as I often do, and was quite impressed with what I found speaking of this guest. And I know you guys have quite the history together, and uh, so I'm super excited to hear about your relationship and, and his experience as a hunter. Yeah, and, yeah. It's just uh, it's, been a, it's been a joy. More, more than a hunter, world traveler. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know. I thought you were Polish. That sounded Yiddish. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have been nipping the Jack Daniels, so <laughs> I lose command of the English language, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Everyone's giggling here. <laughs> you can hear the producer from the control room. Uh, he loses command. That's funny. <laughs> so. Don't you have to have it to lose it, Danny? <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the last podcast, last two were so professional here, we're just... Slopping it up. Don't lie to everyone. They've watched <laughs> them. They know. Yeah, they well, do. Well, anyway, we have a great friend of mine here, and uh, when we talk about his popularity, uh, for those of our viewers uh, that enjoy hunting, here's a topic that we have not touched upon. And, you know, it's just a few select people in the country that uh, have the wherewithal to get out into the mountains and maybe have the patience to even acquire a license for one of the four subspecies of sheep. We have the doll sheep. We have the Rocky Mountain bighorn. We have the desert bighorn. And what am I missing? Stone. The stone sheep, yep. And um, our guest this evening has uh, acquired uh, two Grand Slams. I knew it was going to be wrong. Our guest tonight has acquired four say, Grand Slams. I thought it was four. Yeah, and I tell everyone it's four. I don't know why I just said two. Um, You've lost command. I've lost command. And uh, he's got the super slam in sheep. He's actually uh, truly one of the world's most famous sheep hunters. And he's an old dear friend of mine. Uh, he and I 
or uh, started out grouse hunting. And, well, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend Oscar Carlson. Oscar, welcome thank to you. the studio. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I don't know why. I seem uh, almost a little bit nervous tonight. I'm not choosing my words correctly. I quoted the wrong uh, amount of sh- slams that you had. Four grand slams. In the presence of a legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where, tell them how I got that uh, uh, That nickname. moniker. Uh, Oscar and I were golfing uh, last winter, no, the winter before, in uh, Arizona and uh, Nevada. And we're kind of going between the states there, you know, south of Las Vegas. And we were at this uh, beautiful golf course. And there were some people uh, working, rearranging furniture. And having been a restaurant owner, I was watching this man. And I just determined this guy has got to be the owner because he's doing things that only the owner would do. A hired help wouldn't do it. And he walked over towards us, and I noticed he had a Sheep Foundation T-shirt on. And I said, excuse me, sir, is this your place? And uh, he said, yeah, it is. I said, I could tell it was. I said, "Uh, tell us about the Sheep T-shirt because we're all fairly uh, interested in sheep hunting. And he started telling us a little bit, and I said, well, this is Oscar Carlson. He's a real avid sheep hunter. And he goes, Oscar Carlson? He says, oh, my God. He said, you're a legend. (laughs) (laughs) And do you think that the rest of us could golf with him for the rest of the week? I mean, golfing with a legend isn't that easy. I can't imagine it is. No, No, I'm hard to even live with, you know, (laughs) with a title like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I probably am interrupting here. But. No, 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 no. This is just free flow conversation, as you can tell. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, with your success, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to believe some of the stories Oscar is going to share with you tonight. He's been all over the world. Um, I think maybe I got the number two because you've got two, if I'm not mistaken, Marco Polo sheep. Or am I wrong again? Be honest uh, with them. No, I, I have two in my species room. Yes. Right. Well, a Marco Polo sheep, I encourage you to get on your cell phone and punch in Marco Polo sheep. Not a lot of people are that familiar with them. They are they're the grand slam of any species. I mean, if you can harvest a Marco Polo sheep. I literally first, gasped. Look. look oh, you're going to show one on the screen. Uh, yeah, they're huge. Well, they are huge. Uh, zoom in on, look at the one there in the big picture. And and they're about the size of a burrow. I mean, they're not a small. Well, they're animal. huge. You know, four hundred fifty pounds. They can be. You know. Yeah, they're not like a uh, regular uh, bighorn sheep or anything. These animals Look are at like the a head on small that horse, and they're just massive. Well, Oscar's got two of those, and they are in the. And I'm going to let Oscar expound on it, but you find these on the uh, high deserts of the, you know. Ubekistan, Kurdistan, all the stands. Tajikistan is where I, got, where I got mine. But they're, yeah. And they're in the, the high biggest deserts. ones. They're in the real high, high area. 14,000 feet. Wow. That was our camp, was at 14.5. Oh. Oh. That was our base. We actually went up to 17,000. Oh, my gosh. And it was so thin. I walked around with bent over trying to gasp for air. And taking some pills to help you exchange uh, some I could oxygen, never do it. you know, and uh, it's really hard. I mean, it's a physical, uh, it's a 
All sheep hunting is a real physical and mental oh. challenge. Yeah. Because you're testing everything, you know, whether you got your backpack full of uh, food and rifles and guns and scopes and and uh, tents and or hiking up the mountain, you know, it's a real test physically and uh, mentally because a lot of people just give up, you know, after uh, you know, a, a couple. You know, of the hikes. things that you're talking about, Oscar, are probably not really familiar to a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> for those of you that have been in the mountains, elk hunting or mule deer hunting, I mean, once you get to ten thousand feet, you are struggling. I mean, I know I'm struggling at 10,000 feet. It takes a day or two of your hunting trip to kind of acclimate, right, Oscar? Absolutely, yeah. And I don't think there's really any acclimating to 14,000 feet, <laughs> no matter how long you've been there, unless Can you, you live there all no, your life. It's, it's hard to sleep because oh. your your head is throbbing, and it's it's a, it's a real test. It's it's miserable oh. <laughs> in a lot of ways, but it's... Uh, it's a it's, it's a challenge. challenge. It's a challenge that uh, I love the challenge, and uh, getting up there and and trying to outwit those animals because they got eyesight that is unbelievable eyesight. Better than North American antelope. Well, I think just as good or better. Yeah, because okay. they're looking longer distances than uh, the antelope. I think sure from know, peak to peak know, or ridge right. to ridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they are the premier. That is, correct me if I'm wrong, the pinnacle of hunting. If you can harvest, I mean, you have to get to those countries and the expense and uh, the physical, I mean, everything about it. If you can get a Marco Polo sheep. Yeah, the uh, uh, what's good about mountain hunting is you better get in shape. Absolutely. You have got to get in shape. Round isn't a shape, even though no. we think it is. <laughs> you got to get in shape or you're die. I call it dying. You just die. Well, you could yeah. die. Yeah. And you could, absolutely. But you die or you quit. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you don't really work at getting in shape for um, a sheep hunt. So, uh, Can that, you just tell us? I would love to hear you just tell us the story of one of those Marco Polo hunts. <laughs> I would love to well, hear that. From beginning to end is probably a long, long story. We got time. So you yeah. just you, <laughs> you, you time, get this huh? inkling where you're like, I just want to do this hunt. So you get online and you find a guide. Is that what you did? Yeah. Uh, I, I actually belong to a, an organization called the Wild Sheep Foundation. Okay. And uh, there we have a, a annual meeting where people from all over the world come and, uh, and uh, have booths and promote their wares and all that stuff. So you get to know a few of them. And then you get to know a few of the hunters, too, that have maybe been there. And uh, so you get the connections, and pretty soon you, uh, you know, you get interested and you book a hunt. And there, it's, that's where it starts. It's, uh, and you better start getting in shape the second you start booking. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do we, uh, uh, you know... That's uh, that that story can go forever, but uh, you fly into uh, where did I fly first? I don't even know anymore. I've taken quite a few trips, so I lose track. <laughs> They're all running together, but, but yeah, <laughs> they do. But anyway, I went to uh, uh, a city in it's called Osh, and uh, from there. We took a, a, a long, long jeep ride. I mean, it was forever. 
And just a quick little story about that. What uh, we were going into the Russia, Russia, and uh, Tajikistan is a former Russian country. Okay. Anyway, we stopped at. Uh, they said, "Well, we should stop and get a little liquor." The Russians love vodka. Oh yeah. Love vodka. Yes. I had no idea how much they love vodka. Oh, it's like so water. I went in there. Said, okay, that's fine. I got a couple of bottles of vodka and a bottle of uh, bourbon, and I st- and I went to the checkout, and they said, "No, no, no, we gotta we gotta have a little more." So I went and got two or three more bottles, and that wasn't enough. Whoa! So I went and had to get a case, but I didn't know what we were running into. On the way up there, <laughs> you run into these blocks, they, these roadblocks. And to get past these roadblocks, they're by the army or supposedly. Military, yeah. Military. Sure. You had to give them a bottle or two of vodka to get to, to the, get through the gate. Wow. And, and uh, so that you kept progressing that way up, up till we uh, got to base camp. And then we, we, uh, uh, you said 14,500. Yeah, this was at 14,500. And then uh, we did spend a day there trying to get acclimated because it was really, really tough because that was our base and we went up from there. And so, what, had, what kind of effects were you feeling when you're at 14,500? Oh, headaches. Throbbing headaches, frankly. And uh, you're walking around. I was already walking around half bent over, you know, trying to gasp for air. And I was taking a, a pill, I forget what the name of it was, to help you exchange oxygen. Okay. It's a, kind of, it's a common pill for high-altitude people. So uh, anyway, we, we went up and uh, these guys are unreal. They got simple little Russian Jeeps that break down constantly. So we get up in these mountains and they break down and then they take them apart, parts all over the place. And then they put them together and they start running again. It's amazing. (laughs) I thought one time we were up in there and uh, it was snowing and blowing and he had this engine apart and parts laying all over and it was just snow all over those uh, parts and I thought he couldn't even find them. And and about and I started looking for a place to, to to kinda hunker down. Hunker down and get out of the wind and stuff because it was bitter cold. And about uh, forty five minutes later the thing I could hear it running. I was out walking, trying to stay warm and trying to look for a spot to hunker in. And uh pretty soon <laughs> They had he had it going, and away we go again. What time of the year was this? I think it was September, October, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. All right. But uh, uh, you know, I can go on and on. But that trip, uh, when I left Osh, I finally I got my sheep. Uh, e- eventually. Well, what I is? Did, the, I want you to tell me like what that hunts like. You throw well, your stuff on your back. Oh, you're, and, you got to be all in white. You got to have white. Be, that's the only way you can get close enough to these guys. Is there snow up there? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, so you it's, blend it's in a lot a of snow and some places in the certain sides of the mountain. It's really deep, actually. And uh, I, you know, just to give you an example, I saw one set of rams that we jumped, uh, we bumped or whatever. Uh, uh, there must have been a hundred and twenty rams 
Wow. In a row, going right up over the mountain from one side of that mountain to the next. Wow. Just amazing sight. Amazing. Wow. And, You're uh, lucky if you see two of them out here. Well, yeah, they're seem in the to US. be in some. They seem to be in little in groups, but uh, uh, the group that I took mine out of, I think there was five of them in there. And you keep working your way closer and closer, and you in the, in these real white outfits. You got everybody's wearing white. I had two guides with me, and and then I ended up uh, getting close enough, so I took one. But uh, how close did you get? Well, 300, 330, something like that. And what were you shooting with? Well, I, I, I shoot Daisy. a 300 Ultra Mag. <laughs> <laughs> I really reach out there. Like I've said so many times, I, I, I just want to, when I finally get a shot, I want to just get, get it done. Yeah. Well, that's a I, big animal. And that's a big animal. It needs a big whack. You know, you know it it's a, a when, I, when I've seen them, like uh, the ones you have mounted, they're like a size of a mule. I mean, they're like a small horse almost. I mean, you can see that they have. But that's not a and that's, no. Marco Polo there. No, that's a that's a stone sheep there. And, it's real good. That's a real nice, real good stone sheep. Oh yeah. Um, and the and the Marco Polos are like three times larger than that. Oh yeah. And they're just huge. Um, uh, another one that's about the same size though, and I uh, yeah. is the uh, High Altai Argali. I have a hard time remembering that. High Altai Argali. It's in the uh, high mountains of uh, Mongolia. That's it right there. That's one of them. That's the Marco Polo? No. That's the Argali? That's the High Altai Argali. And the difference between the two is this one looks a little darker and maybe a little smaller? A little bit smaller. Not much smaller, but the horns, if you measure the horns, they're not quite as long, but they're they're, they're bulkier. They're actually yeah, I see uh, that. more mass. There's more mass to them. They probably score about exactly the same in the end. A real a good Marco Polo, right. believe it or not, and a good high Altai. They they're pretty similar in scoring. By the way, Oscar oh, was the go. guy on the right. There it is. There's a Marco Polo. That is a huge sheep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know you could hunt sheep. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea. That, that don't well, realize it. Not Bo Peep sheep, but I, I, I thought it was Bo Peep sheep, and these are not Bo Peep sheep. I, 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 I these don't are go scary. Out in the regular pastures to do that, you know. <laughs> Middle of the night in your pajamas, <laughs> my flashlight, sweetheart. There's a good one. <laughs> Here's one stuck on the fence. Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> well, yeah. again, I'm so excited to have you here, Oscar. I mean, we have got a lot of photos, and folks, I hope. Uh, uh, I hope there's a fair amount of you that are watching this rather than just listening because the photos... Uh, well, you could, I was just going to say, if they're listening, they need to get to a video platform. Right, and because this is exceptional stuff and the photos. <laughs> you know, Danny, as long as I've got the... Did you have something else you wanted to add? Well, I was just going to tell... You know, I never finished one story. When okay. I got back to Osh, okay. we, uh, we were taken off to, uh, to another... Uh, a city where I, I I forget where where our next destination was, but they were hopping, you know. But we took off in this big jet. I mean, it, and the place is, the jet is falling apart inside. <laughs> People are bringing their windshields, and I mean, uh, they've. This sounds you real can, safe, Oscar. <laughs> anything you bring in there, 
anything they could walk in with, they, they took in, and you're tripping over everything. And anyway, we, <clears throat> we got up to about 30,000 square feet, and the, and the pilot of this jet, said, uh, he, he made an announcement, and everybody's kind of looking. And uh, I asked my interpreter, I had my interpreter with. I was going to say, said, what language was it? What, <laughs> to, I don't know, we were flying out of Tajikistan. Anyway, uh, I said, what do you say? Uh, he said, well. <laughs> Hold on to your ass. <laughs> he said, he, they forgot to fuel the jet. They forgot to fuel the plane. And here we're over the Premier Mountains. You're in the air, and he says this. Oh, 30,000 square, I mean 30,000 feet up. And he said, we're, uh, they forgot to fuel the plane. We have to make an emergency landing. And I'm looking down. I don't see any place to land. It's, right. It's, the mountains are, are high, and the peaks are steep. And, and finally, we, uh, we, we flew into a town called Tash Kent. And it was, uh, it was a pretty good-sized airport, but there was not a plane there. Yeah, I mean, it was just a eerie feeling because there was <laughs> hangars all over. It's like an airport graveyard or something. No, there was not another plane even in sight. Was but, there fuel there? Well, we eventually, you know, we landed. And I thought, holy smokes! I remember Tashkent when I was a kid. That was a rebel place. I mean, they Sorry. they took over. I don't know if you, anybody would remember that. I don't remember that name. Anyway, uh, we landed, and the guy. Uh, our pilot, I could see, was on the phone and talking, and, and pretty soon about... <laughs> I can't find any gas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sorry I'm getting all no, sidetracked. No, you're fine. But, it, you're fine. but what happened then was a guy comes out of one of these buildings sit, sitting in the back of a Jeep, and he had a driver, and he had a, a whole uniform on. He looked like he was uh, king of, uh, you know, England with, with his... Uh, Outfit, his uniform and everything. And he had an and empty case of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, they they talked. I thought, man, I might be in trouble here, you know, because uh, I'm the only white guy on, on the plane. Did you have your sheep with you or they were going to no, ship with it me. to you? No, it was with me. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we, we finally got gas. That's the end of that story. We finally got gas. How many bottles of vodka did it did it cost you to get back to Osh? <laughs> oh, oh, to get back to Osh. Yeah, that was another thing. Well, that, <laughs> did you use half the case on the way up going. and half on the way back? Well, we kept. Yeah, I I kept a lot of it. I mean, they they only handed it up enough so I could get we could get out of there. But to get out of there, <laughs> what I didn't know what they had done was they cut my sheep all up into parts, into steaks and whatever, roasts and all Like processed it for you. Well, no, not for me. <laughs> they stuffed it in an old uh, gunny sack, and when we'd get to these uh, checkpoints again... Instead of vodka, you had to give them some meat. Well, uh, meat in one hand and vodka in the other <laughs> hand. And that was uh, how we had to get out of there. And so they, and they your... warn you of none of this, right? You oh, just... no. I oh. didn't know any of this stuff. <laughs> oh, my. So how much of your sheep did they give away? Oh, they gave it all away, I mean, which which I wasn't going to take any meat home anyway. Okay. I, I always donate that because it's too hard to bring back and it's spoiled. Right. And 
And, it's tough uh, enough getting the head, so I, the horns, and the yeah, cape. Yeah, the back. horns and the cape are are the valuable things anyway when you're when you're hunting like that. And uh, so there's no full mount here with this guy because his <laughs> he's all parted out. Oh no, no, you 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 have a form that those uh, that those are all forms underneath their styrofoam or something. Called. Yeah, right, right. But they kept the hide. They oh, kept you, the you kept hide. the entire hide. Oh, I kept the entire hide. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like they just hacked a leg off and handed oh, it. Oh, no, 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 no. They skin it. They were very good skinners. <laughs> like you get to the checkpoint and he goes, do you want a wing or a leg? <laughs> like KFC. <laughs> no, I want the whole thing. Uh, I want a butt cheek. Give me a butt cheek. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it was, well, oh, and then, well, I got to one checkpoint and we couldn't get through. We just couldn't get through, so they called the boss from way back. Uh, I, this was a scary. This was one of the scary stories. Called the boss, uh, the big boy from uh, the base camp, and he drives all the way down. He's all pissed off. I mean, he is really mad. This the he, big boy for them or for you, you know, guys? For us guys. The, okay, the all right. Base camp, our base camp guy. Okay. He drives all the way down. And he said, and he, we rolled down the window to talk to him. He finally got there, and uh, he uh, says, "I'm gonna take care of these guys." You know, I mean, he used a little more colorful, colorful language. language. <laughs> and he had a sawed-off shotgun with him. Oh, but every stop that I was at, we'd be, be surrounded by AK-47 oh, with yeah. kids. They, I mean, eight, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids, and they'd happen to point it at you, you know, on purpose, and they'd just harass the living daylights out of you while you got the, feet, while you got the vodka. Anyway, this guy, he opens, up, he opens up the door. He slams that door open and shoots right into the floor with the sawed-off shotgun. The door to where the military the, guys were. The military were. guy was. Wow. Scared the living daylights out of me. I'm scrambling for my gun. I'm trying to... You're work. thinking it's about to be a fight. I thought... It a was firefight. Firefight yeah. possible. I didn't have any idea. And they're yelling and yelling, and pretty soon the door, the gate goes up and we go. But, man, it was scary. Wow. You know, <laughs> to be a fly on the wall and speak that language, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. If I could have heard what they were really saying, it would have been interesting. Well, let me tell you, Shane, knowing his wife, Valerie, who was one of the most lovely people on the planet, she was very, very happy, needless to say, when he retired from sheep hunting in <laughs> the Russian Providence areas. She was very happy because she... You know, she, she did a lot of praying when I was Yeah, gone, she you know? did. Did you tell her about these things? Well, I would hold off until you're done a retired. <laughs> a few of them, they didn't come out for a while. Sure. You know, but, but yeah. yeah, eventually they. Because she's not letting you go back out if she knows all well, that. Well, that's the trouble. She was, uh, she was. She didn't want me to go on a few of them, you know, honestly, because I went after one series of sheep, then I'd go after another. and. I have to imagine that in that conversation that the boss from your camp is probably giving him the business about his business. You know, you're hurting my business because I got these clients 
that are paying me a lot of money to come up here and we're taking care of you guys and you're going to stop them like this. How in the world are you going to encourage anyone else to go there right. when you have to go through all of that? Right. Well, he is going to miss his vodka too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. They're not getting the uh, they're not getting the logic of the barter. No. The border barter. Yeah, border barter, I like that. That's enough of one trip, I guess, one sheep trip. But, you know, you just run into these things. Well, you, as long as I've known you, Oscar, which has been about 12 years now, you've told me a lot of stories like that. And certainly we don't have time to expound on all of those, but I can remember a few AK-47 uh, stories and border <laughs> crossings and this and that. And um, I'm just lucky to be here. Honestly, you are. In a lot of ways, yeah. No, we're lucky to have you here. Can, yeah. I, just ah! show you, can I just show you what I, what I think that uh, sheep hunting looks like? Yes. This is what I think it looks like. (laughs) That's Oscar in the middle. Yeah, He's wearing white because he's up in the mountains. Dressed Uh, like a sheep, right? uh, And then he, yeah. That's how I had the camel. I get close enough to him. (laughs) And then I see the pictures and I go, there has to be something different here. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. You got a Marco Polo there to the left of that picture? No, I don't know what that is. That's not a real sheep. No, that looks really odd. I literally Googled sheep hunting. And I found this, so that's hilarious. This is what I pictured, so I'm I'm super intrigued. And so, okay, so when you now you when, can hardly wait to go, huh? I'm very excited. I'm very. I don't. How do you? How do you? I mean, is it one of those? I know you're with a guide, but like, is it one of those where you're in a blind and you're hunting it, or is it? What is it called? Like the chase one? How do you hunt a sheep? Oh, you don't sit in a blind on those boys. Spot and stock. You're talking about. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, we uh, we. We stalk them, you know, we, we scope them out from a long distance away, try to judge them, and you get closer and closer and make sure that it's the right, right animal that you're satisfied with or, you know, that, it, uh, that it's legal, first of all, and that it's, uh, that it's a good species, a good representative uh, of the species. And then, then you try to figure out how to get close enough, and then it can be a long process, or you just have to wait. Yeah. You know, for them to move to get into a position. So we could just spend a second here talking about this spot and stock concept because we do have a fair amount of folks listening that don't hunt, maybe are just country music fans, and so they're not necessarily familiar with the terminology. So what we're referring to is you've got sort of like more close range search across prairies, mountains, that kind of thing, where you use binoculars, but when you've got to go long range, use a much more high-powered optic or a scope, as you mentioned, that can see for miles to find that right animal that you're interested in pursuing. And that is what's referred to as the spot and stalk. So you're spotting with the spotting scope or the optics. Or your eyes. Or your eyes, if you can see that far, if you get eagle vision. <laughs> um, and then you've got you the... You mean sheep vision. Sheep vision. Yeah. And then you've got the stalk, which is what... Oscar's referring to where you have to wear clothing that helps you to blend in with the environment. And you're in most cases you walk some of the way, but then you're usually kind of crawling and right. Every, every way of any way you can get there close enough. Slither like a snake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's Oscar right there with uh, Marco Polo. Oh, that's a a high Altai. Another high Altai. That is a huge animal. It is is absolutely huge. And uh, I mean, just what do you think the the weight was on that? Look at the size of its head. Well, it's 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 a good four fifty. I mean, it really is Uh, for a sheep. For a sheep, that's amazing. 
And it looks like there's nothing to eat there. That's what amazes me at how big these animals can get. Yeah. They are, it's like desert, mountains, desert, yep. valleys, desert, everything. And so I, I got actually down on the level to see if I could see any grass. And you can see a few little, few little uh, sprigs of, uh, of grass, but it's so thin. I don't know how they could stay that big. Where do healthy. they find water? Well, the snow, and I'm sure there's cricks, and yeah, they find I, it. it. They find it somehow. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know, because in some of these, uh, most of that uh, Mongolian, uh, the, uh, uh, the deserts of Mongolia, the, the Gobi Desert is where I was hunting, for the Gobi Argali, mm -hmm. and that's in a low, little bit lower than the High Altai Argali. There's two levels of, uh, and, but I don't, you just don't see any water holes. I just don't know. They must get it through their, through the grass somehow, little grass there is. So what type of uh, sheep is that? That's an Armenian uh, sheep. That's a real contrast, because that's a, probably a hundred pound animal by comparison right oh yeah i don't know if it was even that it was uh it, it's it's around that you got it close yeah speaking of around you seem a little less round in that picture <laughs> hey. wow <laughs> hey shots fired <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna walk out of here pretty Wait quick a minute. <laughs> before, uh, before i have after i before. have rounded up a little bit yes <laughs> well you deserve it you've uh <laughs> Put a lot of miles on your boots. He's retired, Tom. He's yeah, retired. I know. Uh, I, know. I got it. Sometimes I, got it. I, I, uh, I get the antsy to to get going. I'd love to take one more. Really? Trip. I really would somehow, but well, you it'd ain't have going to be pretty me. flat. It'd have to be pretty <laughs> flat, honestly. Well, the easier hunt, and uh, one of the last ones you did, uh, I saw a video of it. Oh, what was the one that was just up there? I I was looking away. Oh, wow! I would that's assume this one. wasn't easy. I'm just going to put that out there. So, what uh, what species is that one? That's the uh, Argali? Gobi Argali. Yeah, the Gobi. It was Argali. a huge. That was a real big one. Well, I I was. That's incredible. It's like a horse. Fortunate to get really good animals over. And there. you're not in this picture, so no. He's the one with the blue shirt. No, he is <laughs> no. not. <laughs> 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 I've got not. I've got eye issues. Put your glasses you know, on. I, I suppose is it, would it would it be okay to have these guys on this? Yeah, I, I think it would. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's yeah. too late. This is pretty laid back and casual. Okay. You know, the last hunt that you went on, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, down in uh, Old Mexico uh, off the coast, and I saw the video. You filmed that. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, that was the desert bighorn. Mm -hmm. Now we're back here in North America. And, uh, you filmed it like with. Yeah, I had a film a film guy with me all the time. Really, mm -hmm. right for your hunts. Yeah, not but, not for all of, all of them. But that one. Do uh, we get some footage? Do we have some? No. Uh -uh, is didn't. it is it available online anywhere? No, I don't publish my stuff at all. Okay. I mean, I don't. I. I don't uh, uh, measure my animals. I don't. I don't. Yeah. You seem like a very humble man. I don't. I don't. <laughs> he does. He's not. He's, he, I haven't heard him brag at all yet. I don't uh, put him up. Other I than knowing you, stores, I don't. I, I, I don't brag. I don't register my. Excuse me. My grand slams or anything. I mean, I I just uh, try to. 
No, I was saying he brags about knowing you. (laughs) Going back to what you said about an easier hunt, that's how I got on the topic of the desert bighorn because that was uh, down in Mexico, and it's certainly uh, mountainous. Yeah, but... Not like that. Not that. I mean, he's hunting, right? At, you can see the sea of Cortez and the Pacific Ocean from where he was hunting. You were actually on an island, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he brought his wife, Val, and they had these fabulous dinners and wonderful wine. And that was not a terribly physical hunt, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it was much harder than uh, than it looked or okay. than, I, than I thought. It was pretty steep and up and down. And Yeah, and it's I, all up and down, uh, you know. Well, there's not too much in the U.S. that's north of 14,500. Well, no. this wasn't anything like 14 or this wasn't anything. Just steep. But it was just steep. It was a lot of climbing, a lot of, uh, a lot of work in that one. But my last... My last hunt was an Audad down right. in uh, down in uh, Danny. I've got a picture of that Audad. Uh, it's one of the pictures that I got to you. Um, if you. If you think you can figure out which one that is, Audad's a unique. Oh, uh, it looks a lot like that animal that you got in uh, that we just showed. It's got the down sweeping horns. Well, yeah, that and it's it's got that unusual amount of hair, right? Yeah, they got that real that, that mane or whatever you want to call it. It's almost a long beard, right? And then they got the skirts from their knees, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a pretty cool diff, different animal. But they came over. They got uh, uh, they got wild down in uh, you know, southern Texas, Texas and mainly in Texas and New Mexico. So they do they, a lot of odd ed in Texas, right? Yeah, they do a lot of it. And if I'm not mistaken, I was having a conversation with our last guest. Um, this one? That's it yeah, right that's there. it. Good that's job. That's an odd ed. You can see the mane and the skirts you mentioned. Yeah. I can keep my, my job. Yes. Had a girl. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that long ago. That was only about three years ago. That's yeah, a real good-sized animal, too. That was, uh, that was an excellent uh, trophy there. Yeah. Those are some nice rocks. So back to the odd ed. Um, there is a wild, you know, in Texas, you can hunt a lot of different animals that came from India, came from Africa, and they're typically... You've got a behind, really nice black buck in the house. Yeah, and typically they uh, are behind high fences, but if I'm not mistaken, there's some public land in western Texas that has a huge herd of wild audad. Are you familiar with that? Oh, this was on a wild... This was I didn't take this behind a fence. Right. I refused to hunt... I agree, fence, and I do too. This was on a, a ranch that uh, this this guy owned. He said, I got odd ads, and he invited me down there uh, to hunt them, and we hunt, We stayed at his, well, no, I was going to say we we went to his house. To, he had a house on that uh, on the ranch there, and we would go visit there, but we'd go into town to stay overnight and eat. But uh, anyway... He, he, they would come off those mountains, and uh, and you could see them in the hills sometimes. It was, it was, it was an yeah, easier cool hunt, hunt. Let me put it that way. A little easier, huh? Yeah. Well, a lot of your hunts have been amazingly difficult. I mean, uh, we've talked about the European uh, and the Russian animals that Oscar hunt, but he's got four grand slams of the North American uh, rams. 
Now, uh, b- before you move sheet. on from that, though, a Grand Slam is what, TK? Taking a, one of each. One each of the four. But he did that four times. So yep. he took four doll sheep, four Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, four desert bighorn, and four, the one that I keep forgetting. Stone. Stone sheep. So he's done that four times. If you take one of each, that's called a Grand Slam. Okay. So he's done the Grand Slam four times. Yeah. But bigger than that. Dang. There it is. It says so right there. Mm-hmm. So more than that, doing the Super Slam. And Oscar, why don't you know, I couldn't begin to quote all the different sheep that you have mounted at your home. Uh, why don't you just, like, uh, we pretty much have talked about the sheep in America, British Columbia, and Alaska. Doll sheep are up high. You know, the desert bighorn is down in Mexico and in California. But in Europe and Russia, what are the, what are the, we've talked about the Igali. Well, uh, another one is the Transcaspian Uriel. Oh, yeah. That's a beautiful sheep. Danny, can you see if you can find that? Big white mane. I mean, uh, can you say it again? Transcaspian Uriel. I think I gave you a copy, uh, a picture of that. You might be able to spot that. You might have to pronounce that one more time. Transcaspian Uriel. Wow. Ural. Sounds a little uh, exotic, doesn't it? <clears throat> and they—they uh, <laughs> they are just gorgeous. I—I I had to hunt hard for that guy. Um. Anyway, they. Uh, so this is. Let me see. Whoop. This isn't yours, obviously. But oh no. Uh, is this, this is this what I'm looking for, though? Ish. Well, what about uh, this one here? There, that's on the as left. closest one on the left. Uh, right. Second on the, one up. Second one up on the left, yeah. Yeah, that's what or, I thought. It was. There it is, right there. There, right, right there too. The lower right. There oh. it is. There it is, right there. Wow, that is a beautiful animal. Let me see if I can find yours. Look at the size of those horns. Yeah, that's a big one. Oh boy. And I know you've got an animal that I watched on television the other day with the horns. They're not really spiral, like a, like a whatever. But they're, they go straight up, and they go way up, and they're kind of spiral. Do you know that what That one, I, yeah, that one. Uh, is it is this one? Called? No. No? No. Oh, okay. Uh, that one I did not take. Oh, okay. Tom. Well, that was a donated one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. When. I saw somebody when, uh, hammer yeah. one of those. Here you go. That's it. That's it, yeah. And that's a good species. That's a. I mean, that was a fun hunt. A lot of work. What country were you there? Yeah, I say what. Where's that native uh, to? Turkmenistan. 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 When you say fun hunt, what does that mean for you? Well, uh, the people and the environment, and uh, you know, I just, I just enjoy the, uh, just driving around looking at the outdoors, the different structures of the mountains and the. Camps and camaraderie and yeah, all that. It's, it's, uh, some, and a lot successful. of times there you're kind of alone, though. Yeah. So there's not a lot of, sometimes there's not a lot of camaraderie. Okay. But, so I take a good stack of books with me for that part. But I, I just enjoy looking at the birds and the, the environment and, and the people and their camps, you know, how they live. Like I've lived in Gurs, or some people call them yurts. The Mongolians didn't like Europe, the term Europe because that was uh, 
Genghis Khan. Oh. Uh, they like the term Well, Gur. the history alone, the history that you must have acquired. So I lived in a, those for weeks. You know, I mean, when you accumulated all uh, the time I was up there. Uh, you know, speaking of camaraderie, you... uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny, if you can, pull up on the screen. You have a wonderful, wonderful friend, almost a lifelong friend, who's uh, a world-famous artist. Oh. And uh, I know uh, he, uh, Ron Van Gilder, and he has a, a book that I brought with us tonight. And if uh, Jill can uh, maybe retrieve that, I'll show you. Um, but there's a photo of there, and you're in the painting. Oh, it's yeah. It's actually around the campfire. And this is real, camaraderie. I mean, you can just look at this picture and see the camaraderie. Did you ever? Here it is right here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a painting. Ron Van Gilder, if I'm not mistaken, is the gentleman with his back to us. Yes, he's got his back to us, yeah. And Oscar is all the way to the right. Yeah. Why don't you tell him about that? Teddy Roosevelt's telling stories. <laughs> yeah. No, that's another. So then what he did. He looks like Teddy. Uh that's another, uh, he, he put in other wildlife artists. Oh. That, uh, the guy with the cowboy hat telling the story is, uh, is uh, I got a couple of his paintings. And uh, the guy that he's talking to the closest, he's an artist. And this guy is the publisher of, uh, of uh, like, not Sports Afield, this, this guy right to my left. And uh, the other guy is his uh, is Ron's father-in-law. Wow! Boy, so so this was a, he 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 used the campsite at that. It was a uh, the stone sheep camp. He used as a background, uh, but then he put different people in it. Wow! This uh, Ron Van Gilder is a great friend. He he went with me on many hunts. Many hunts. That's what I he, thought. He was a Tough as nails. He uh, backpacked with me. He went with me on uh, North American hunts, not on the international ones. Right, right. But he, uh, I would think, boy, I don't know if he's going to come on this one. And he'd be right on my side. Uh, well, this is the book that Oscar gave me. It's the, It's got a ton of uh, Ron Van Gilder's art in it. That's a beautiful and bowl I on probably the cover there, too. display this on our coffee table. Uh, Oscar left me a nice note in this uh, book, and I'll if if I can I'll just like those are the ducks. That's some of his paintings. He's just a stunning painter. Yeah. Talented, incredible. Oh, it's just, they're, Can you imagine so someone being like, "Hey, I painted you." Like, how does that feel, Oscar? Do yeah, you feel how like, many people are? Uh, do you feel do like Rose from the Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, an amazing, amazing. One of his paintings is in the, or it was, maybe it still is, uh, hanging in the uh, capital of the of many, many, uh, many Minnesota capital. Uh, of uh, he used my son and uh, another guy. It was commemorating the 75th anniversary of the uh, game wardens. Oh, really? So he was commissioned to do the. Uh, a painting commemorating that that uh, anniversary. 
So he was one of my uh, young boys at the time as a model. Nice. And uh, a game warden was pointing out different things to him. They were, you know. Yeah, this is the way to in jail. In a slew. <laughs> <laughs> now you point that for yeah. me. But uh, no, it was, uh, we had a, we spent a lot of time together. I was going to ask you, have you always firearm hunted? Do you ever shoot with a bow? you ever do the archery thing? Never have. Never have. I just didn't get into that. I, you know, I took so much time with regular with the rifle hunting, I didn't get into the bow or the, or the muzzleloader either. Right. I never got into yeah, it. A lot of guys like you, you know, and me, I, it was just another opportunity to get out and feel whether it was a muzzleloader or the bow or a shotgun, or whatever, uh, and I know you're well familiar with shotguns. Uh, when Oscar and I met, we met at Red Oak, my restaurant, probably 12 years ago. And uh, You as, went into that slop house? Yeah. <laughs> as uh, we got to know each other, we... Twice? No. <laughs> recovered we, from the poison? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, Tom, just a few no. at your expense there. <laughs> Anyways, I got to know that prick. Uh, I mean, uh, Oscar. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. Yeah. No, don't edit that one out. Um, you just can't say the F and Jaime. Yeah. Um, Oscar and I, we realized that our first love was grouse hunting. And if uh, you don't mind me sharing a little bit of your history, Oscar grew up on a dairy farm uh, up by Mora, Minnesota. Seven brothers. Laura, I know exactly where that's at. Seven brothers. They were called the Magnificent Seven. Um, They were. Quite actually, they were rather magnificent. Um, They grew up with an amazing work ethic. And all of them uh, went off in different fields. I read a lot about that. Became very, very successful. And and I was fortunate uh, enough to meet Oscar. And uh, we decided, hey... I grew up grouse hunting. He's like, well, I love grouse hunting. And by the way, I've got a grouse for you in the freezer. This is, oh, well. this is at the restaurant you're this just This is at the restaurant. Him. And so we've been grouse hunting because I can't afford to go to Ibekistan. <laughs> and quite frankly, neither one of us are in that good a shape anymore. You only got so many <laughs> organs you can sell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I got parts. Yeah. I, I, you know, after that second round of... Uh, Sheep hunting that I really pressed it real hard for about four years there. Yeah. I got, I've got two new knees now. Wow. Yeah. Both of them, yeah. So anyway, uh, we started grouse hunting, and uh, I would take him to my old haunts, and he's got some property up there by Mora. And by golly, me and him shot a lot of grouse. You know what? I have a photo, Danny, of uh, Oscar and I and another gentleman uh, out there in the snow grouse hunting. And uh, when it gets right down to it, you know, he's been all over the world. Here you go. Hunting, but would you say, Oscar, they, there's nothing better than walking there and kicking up a covey of grouse. Oh, I love grouse hunting. I mean, I, I've, I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours grouse hunting. Yep. Mostly with uh, one of my brothers was really big on that. Fred. Fred brother Fred. Was. Yep. I've hunted with you and Fred. And, yeah, I know you have. And. Uh, What's your opinion on the eating of the blue grouse? Because Tom has expressed his displeasure there. Have you ever eaten blue grouse? Up in the never mountains? eaten a blue grouse, no. I never have. But I picture the meat real uh, dark. dark. 
Same with the they eat needles. They're they're worse than spruce grouse. Uh, I I don't like the spruce grouse. Even, yeah, you know. I knew that's where you're going. You know, I got to tell you, Shane. Everybody that I know that is a bird hunter, and especially Oscar, his favorite bird, and so many people I know, their favorite bird is grouse for eating. For eating, you know, they just put a little garlic and butter in a pan. And- a little garlic? Well, that's where they went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, well, for I- some reason, uh, it's not my it's not my favorite bird. I love hunting them. Pheasant probably is my favorite bird. You know what my favorite bird is? Dove. Oh, I love dove. But at any rate, uh, uh, everyone loves the grouse, but blue grouse. I never forget the first time we shot some blue grouse up in the mountains of Idaho while we were elk hunting. And uh, when I came back to camp and Robin's dad was cooking them, I'm like, what are you cooking them with the guts in them or what? It just smelled horrible, and it tasted the same way to me. I don't know. Hmm. For those of you that like Bruce, excuse me, blue grouse or spruce grouse, I apologize, but I, I don't like them. You I know, I tried uh, spruce, but I, I didn't like that very right. much either. But I've never shot. I've certainly seen them. The blue grouse, boy, they're big, mm-hmm. big, uh, big bird. So, what's right. the species you guys hunt on your land then? Rough grouse. Rough grouse. Rough grouse. Okay. That's the most common, right? Yeah. yeah. Minnesota, you've got rough grouse and up on the Canadian border. We've got some spruce grouse. What was the one that, you know, that we harvested, a, harvested with the car? <laughs> that's a rough grouse. And we Have you heard just, this story, Oscar? No. I Can I tell the story? Yeah. It's the greatest story ever. I want to tell you where we were. We were yeah, in go Wisconsin, ahead. and we we're in what they call, uh, you know, the nose of Wisconsin cuts into Minnesota, the Barrens. So we were driving the barrens because we were looking at a piece of property. Go ahead. Yeah. So we're, we're I'm out. We're doing a little sightseeing because Tom's looking for land, yeah. and and I don't know if he told you, but I'm in real estate, and so I, you know, I'm his realtor. So I'm gonna take him out, show him some property, that kind of thing. We're driving down this back country road in Wisconsin, and we are uh, traveling along, just kind of gossiping or whatever. And this grouse, I didn't know it was a grouse at the time. He knew right away because that's him. Flies up in front of the car. We kind of clipped it, and it went off into the, the ditch next to the road. And so he said, stop, stop, stop. So I stopped, and we're watching the thing, and it was just kind of huddled down in this tree mass. And he goes, come on. So we get out, and he we huddle up a little. He wants to have a little play call meeting. You know, you're going to go this way, and I'm going to go that <laughs> well, way. We're not going to let this thing go. We're going to get him. <laughs> so, so he's like, you're going to go over here this direction and get its attention so it's looking at you. And I'm going to go around the other way. And I was like, all right. So I'm like, all right. Him. Yeah, so we, so sure enough, he picks up this big tree limb. I mean, well, he's, he's got his, his Hacksaw Jim Duggan impression yeah. going. I can picture it. And I go walking off, and I'm like, you know, I'm not making, trying to make too much noise, but I'm just making sure it's looking at me. And sure enough, it's looking at me. And then he gets within, I don't know, must have been five, six feet, and it realized he was there. So it hopped up and tried to fly away. Well, it was somewhat wounded. Anyway, it got about three flaps, and he gave that thing a whack, just like Hank Aaron over there. <laughs> Took that thing right out <laughs> that of midair. Poor thing. <laughs> and that is the grouse that is in my freezer and that you can take home with you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was, you know, he claimed to have shot that, you know, and oh, no, a long did. shot. And everything. Why would I ruin a great story <laughs> like that? Ten-mile hike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. it, it was uh, funny too, because I remember him telling me, cause I, it didn't occur to me at the time. I just was excited about what was going on. But once we got it and 
were put in the back of my car. And I'm like, why did we get this thing anyway? And he goes, oh, you know, my good friend Oscar, he loves grouse. I do. And so we got to save this breast to breasts. It's know, still Oscar. in his freezer. It is. I, and it's in perfect condition. It still is. Okay. Yep. No yep. frost. Nope. 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 Okay. Vacuum seal, double wrapped. Oh, all right. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll remind, remind me to take it when I go tonight. You know, there's been so many times I've seen you where I forgot to bring it. Now that you're here, uh, we'll try see one how more well time. us two old guys Try one uh, more we'll time. Someone yeah. tell Jill to write that down. <laughs> yeah, tell Jill. Jill to write that down. Right. The women, are, the women around here are the ones wearing the pants. So. I mean. At least in my house. Yeah, no doubt. Oscar oh. said he knows who the chief is. So <laughs> It was a fun experience because we get back here after the whole thing and we get it out of my car and he's like, Let's, let me show you how we, you know, essentially get the breast out. Oh, yeah. And it was the deal where you, you know... It, there's it, a few different can, ways, and they're so simple. You, they are the easiest bird to clean. They are really. Like, it's the it thing. was like grab here and hold this and yank. Yeah. Okay. It's like learning how to tie your shoes, except for not. Right. Yeah. Except he never saved the legs. I, know. I like the legs, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. not much meat on the well, legs. Well, there's but not much. But the meat that tasty. is there is good. And yeah. I, you know, actually, I feel a little bit guilty about doing that. Um, I ne- and when it comes to pheasants, and I've shot so many pheasants over the year, I... I don't typically save the legs there because usually they have some shot in them, and then they got blood in them. And but our pastor at Eagleburg Church, Bob well, this Merritt, one didn't have any shot in it. <laughs> he loves oh, maybe a little bark, part of the fender, <laughs> part of the fender, a little chrome. <laughs> Bob Merritt, our pastor at our church, he says, "What are you doing? You got to save those legs." Well, sure. So I developed a technique for not spending too much time, but actually saving the. The meaty part of the legs, you know, the thigh part, because the you know on a pheasant, you don't you not don't a lot want, on the toes. You don't want the drumsticks. <laughs> you don't want the drumsticks. They're all full of tendons. Yeah. But at any rate, we got a grouse for you. And now enough about that. Well, good, good. I grew so, uh, up in uh, Mora, Minnesota, on a little dairy farm. Had seven brothers, and seven brides, right? And since I've known you. You, we've <laughs> lost four of them, which is a sad, sad deal because that I got sad. to know all of his brothers except for his oldest brother. And my gosh, they were great, great men and uh, uh, just wonderful but guys. Now he's only got two brothers left. Yeah, that's so right. there's only three of you left out of seven, and uh, some amazing, amazing guys. And you know, if you grew up on a dairy farm with dirt floors and uh, you get out there four o'clock and four o'clock or five and five and you're milking cows and uh he has an exceptional family and i'm uh i'm proud to be your friend oscar i really am and uh well we learned how to work and how to stick with the job and how to figure stuff out you know? yeah you had to we yep. had we didn't have much money and it didn't have very good tools yeah. but we had to figure out how to get things fixed and how to get it done and it it uh, was a lot of work so here's one thing that I, I would like to do as soon as we get back from break. I want you to explain this picture to us <laughs> when we get oh, back. That's another one. That's a busted up plane. And yeah. you took the picture, and I would that assume? that don't look like an American or a North American plane. That looks like a Russian All plane. I'm saying is it, look bu- it looks busted. You can just I was busted. in it. I was in it. That's all right, all folks. We'll say. We're going to take a little break so we can keep the uh, lights around on, on around here. A little promotion for the, I know, I almost said, I almost said uh, 
Talk hips. <laughs> uh, keep the lights on around here, and uh, we're going to do a little promotion for the sponsorship for the show. And so we'll be right back with Oscar Carlson. Boots and Backstraps is proudly brought to you by Homes by Shane. Making your move with the Homes by Shane team means an unparalleled customer service experience. That level of service is the foundation of this REMAX Results referral-based business. Our driven team of experts communicate with their clients every step of the way, ensuring a memorable experience from the first conversation through your closing day. Go to homesbyshane.com for more information. Let's get you home. If you would like to sponsor the Boots and Backstraps podcast or you have an interest in joining our team, send us an email to bootsandbackstrapspodcast at gmail.com. Folks, welcome back to Boots and Backstraps. We are still in studio with Oscar Carlson. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you. We have really enjoyed having you in. Well, I don't. I, I'm glad to hear that because I don't know. I've just been just chatting away. That's what it's all about, That's Oscar. We We're having a ball listening to your stories and, uh, God, just trying to live uh, vicariously through you. It's like. Or not. I don't, or not sometimes. <laughs> I can imagine any hunter that's listening to us uh, has got to be going, wow. Yeah, 17-year-old pointing an AK at me eh, in Russia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Four grand slams. Or whatever's going on slam. here. I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't want to live through that. Did, oh. But obviously you did, so tell. Please tell. Yeah, let's hear the story behind that, Oscar. What, this uh, plane? Yep. Are you sure that's a plane? Oh, well, it started <laughs> out one. <laughs> well, we were going up into the Yukon, actually. Uh, uh, Danny, let's leave that up. On a uh, stone sheep hunt. And, uh, <laughs> well, you can see we didn't make it. Uh, what happened... <laughs> is uh, there was a heavy cloud cover, and we were following this river all around these, uh, and this river would eventually take us to our camp. But this uh, pilot decided that he saw this saddle, and uh, from a distance, he decided to take a shortcut because this was a big mountain. He had to go way around. <laughs> we'll just swing around the outside. <laughs> yeah, rather than swing around the outside, we're going to go right over that saddle. Okay. Only... Uh, uh, the saddle was higher than he had calculated. You know these these plane that plane. If you show it again, the uh, the the council was was higher. If you're sitting in the cockpit, right, you can't see the right. ground. I, I've noticed that flying yeah. in small aircraft. You can't see the ground unless, unless you, you look, look on the left. side, right, on the left. That looks like it's a four seater, six seater, something like that. Yeah, it was a six feet six seater. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, so we were, uh, we were flying. He decided to take the shortcut. And uh, we're flying along, and I, and I can tell we're getting closer and closer. I thought, well, man, we must be getting into close to camp. I didn't know camp was. Anyway. And pretty soon, uh, the <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to say this word, and I won't finish it, but all of a sudden, the the. The pilot yelled, Fun! Perfect nougat. Here comes the fun! (laughs) I mean, just blew it off the charts. And uh, and we look out, and I just, just then he he tipped the plane up a little bit and smashed 
Oh. And with, what we did was peel off the the uh, pontoons, peel them back. Oh. You'll, you'll look at that. And then we glanced up. You can see the pontoons off oh, yeah. to the oh, side. I the see side them off to the side there. And uh, we glanced up and went right, just like, just smack stopped in a dead. You oh. can see the prop, is, the engine is pulled right out the front. Uh, we just you were in a seatbelt, I hope. I was in a seatbelt, but then everybody's yelling, "Get out! Get out!" Because we thought it might come and uh, yeah, guess, start explode, explode, or go into get fire. the vodka and let's get out of well, here. Well, yeah, there. <laughs> that wasn't fun. <laughs> Although, but my my leg at the time was going straight sideways. I mean, it was it come right out of joint and was laying out sideways. And everybody else piled out of there, and I can't move. So, I mean, just what happens, I was very lucky, don't get me wrong here, but I had to reach down and yank that thing right back into position and then hobble out of the... Pop it right back into joint? I popped it right back, Ooh. yeah. But was that painful? Holy smoke. I've heard stories about I, that, but I, I hope I never have to do I, it. I was sweating for a while, and, and I hobbled out. Later on, you know, I, I couldn't even get my pants off. My leg was so swollen. My knee was so swollen. You know. Oscar, what And you're, you're probably us? however many miles from any kind of oh. significant medical help. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't never did get any med- medical help. That, that story just keeps you're going, You're in the too. mountains up in the Yukon, and you crash an airplane, and you're talking about a swollen leg, walking away from this. I mean, it's like everyone's... If you if you don't have a video on this, if you can hear us, this plane is just destroyed. The fact that you're just alive is just unbelievable. It, it really is. It really is. Uh, we didn't think we could reach uh, uh, anybody on the phone. I mean, on the radio. But he tried, and then he he kept trying. And uh, about a oh twenty, it only took about twenty minutes, and then somebody answered. And he was amazed, the pilot. And uh, here was a a two-person bubble helicopter flying down that same uh, river uh, watershed. And uh, he would stop every 20 miles and check the depth. And that was they did that on a specific date every year. And it just so happened that he was there that day. Unbelievable. And what he did was... That's good fortune. Oh, Lord. The, the, the That's good being Lord. God's favorite, I think. Right. Good Lord was looking after me. He's looked after me a lot of times. But how, how many people were on the plane? There was uh, six of us. And there how was, many other injuries were there? None. you got to no. be kidding me. No. No, they all walked. They all well, walked Folks, away. I know if those of you that are just listening, the plane was mushed. The engine was literally pulled out of the housing. The pontoons were off the side. The prop was just... Not really a prop, and you're in the mountains of the Yukon, and everyone just walked away. Yeah, and you limped. Yeah, oh yeah, and <laughs> that's I, unbelievable. And I was the only the guy that uh, limped, you know, out of there. But uh, the plane didn't catch on fire or anything. But so this guy, he uh, he knew of an old abandoned hunting camp because he along the river down down a ways. So he would this little bubble. Helicopter took us down there one at a time. Really, one at a time, one at a time, and said, "Hopefully, you first with the gimpy leg." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But we, uh, uh, I, <clears throat> I joked that we uh, all lined up with our guns, and then we, uh, we gave the pilot uh, uh, a count till 10 to, 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 <laughs> to get away. <laughs> no, I was thinking of a Spanish football team that crashed in the mountains, and you're the one with the oh. bad leg. You'd be the first one to turn into food. <laughs> yeah, I would be. I would be uh, immediately food. Anyway, he. Uh, we we're kidding, but uh, I'm kidding about that. He. It's amazing that you can sit here now and joke about it because what a that could have been such a tragedy. Oh, it could have. We could have all perished. In fact, about uh, in the crash, forty yards over. If you know these saddles are usually pretty, yeah, pretty good. But on uh, about forty yards over was a big rock. You know, not they don't all wear down the same, right? At the same speed, you know, from uh, erosion. Mm-hmm. So the forty yards over, if we just hit that, uh, we would have just been all dead immediately. That. That first hit when it peeled off those pontoons slowed us up just enough, I think, hmm. to save us because we went dead right in after that. It, um, you know, nose you first. follow what I'm saying? And I'm Absolutely. assuming this is one of the stories you did not tell Valerie for a while. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll save this right. one for a while. We'll save this one, yeah. <laughs> Never let you leave the house again, I think. Right, she wouldn't. Never. She never let you out of her eyesight after that. You know, Danny, at your convenience, just uh, throw up some of the pictures that we sent you. And here's Oscar with a, that wasn't that long ago. That's a mule deer, believe it or not. I was going to say, what is that? Why does it look so fresh? Because because it was. was. (laughs) I, I, I took that picture right after I got home. Look at that bad boy. That was a real good mule deer. It's impressive really mass. What state were you in for that? Uh, C- Colorado. Okay. And for those of you that didn't hear it before, uh, Oscar doesn't score his animals, so he doesn't know how much that thing scored, but I guarantee you it's somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 240. Uh, my guide said it's 200 plus. That's uh, well, so, Oscar, know. do you not score because you do it for the love of it and not yeah, for I don't, the notoriety? I'm not trying to get on record books or yeah. anything. I just don't, uh, I just don't I believe that. I got a couple a... bear and a deer that I put in the record books a long, long time ago. And I'm like, well, I don't need to do that. I don't need to have that in any sort of record book or anything. So I've only got two, of, uh, two bear and one deer in the record books. Mm-hmm. And some of the other ones could be, but I, who cares? Yeah, I... I don't. Uh, I don't think. I don't want to have my name published, and I don't need it published. And you know, if people know me, they they know me, and that's great. That's good enough for me. And your name is on the Wild Sheep Foundation website. Oh, yeah. Listed. They've got the uh, all the Grand Slam holders there. And so um, naturally, you'd be there. And as we know much you. As you're active with their, you know, with I the guess what he's getting at. He's trying to be humble, and he don't want his head to get any bigger. <laughs> had to grease his ears I, to get him to the door. I didn't even register. I'm a, I'm a Marco Polo Society member. Yep. Uh, and that's... Uh, that's a limited I, society, believe me. But uh, I didn't even register my uh, my Grand Slams with them, even. But, hmm. uh, oh, that's cool. That's, you know, and I think that's a good thing for everyone to hear. If you want to be in the books... More power to it. Yeah, that's okay with yeah, me. Yeah, that's certainly okay. Yeah. I've got a couple things in there, and 
uh, you know, you get a little bit older and you just don't care. You just don't care. You do it for the solitude. You do it for the beauty. You do it because you have a passion for hunting. You do it for the meat. Yeah, and you do it for the meat. Mike, I, I got four kids at home, and they all, I mean, the youngest, I shouldn't say they all, because our youngest is just about six months old. So he's not need, eating any wild game yet. But the other three love wild game. Oh, yeah. Well, you yeah, bring they, them up on it, they'll grow up to hate beef. I mean, almost hate it. Not totally, but. Well, they're, at this point, my 12-year-old, Michael, can tell the difference between grass-fed, you know, beef that you get at the grocery or whatever and elk or antelope, or he can tell the difference between all that, oh, yeah. you know. My friend Steve Woog's got two daughters, and they're in their teens, and they they have to eat wild game. They just love the wild game that he brings home. They don't ever eat domestic animals. Yeah. Well, and that's a healthy way to live. And you know, Oscar, you mean like dogs and cats, or yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, I don't know what the hell he meant by that. But <laughs> let's talk about oh, domesticated animals. The last yeah. guest we had was Thurman Tucker of the Quail Foundation, not Foundation uh, Quail Forever, and uh, we talked about. You know, I've been involved with a lot of uh, the nonprofits, so whether it's been pheasants forever the rocky mountain elk foundation uh, turkey federation bear and uh, north american bear foundation all of those have a portion of their program dedicated to kids getting the youth involved and i know you and i have talked about everything hunting uh, everything politics everything everything and we know that it's so important to get kids involved in the outdoors and i know that you Oh, it's just even amazing to me what a big, big deal this is. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the Waterhole Project. And, you know, with the sheep being sheep, it's hard to get kids involved in any aspect of sheep hunting except for what you came up with, the Waterhole Project. And it's an amazing deal. Don't well, you- what you do, uh, every two years, because it, it, it's such, such a big... Uh, project to put together uh val and i we sponsor the first number of peep kids and then we ask the foundation or the membership right, if they right. would like to sponsor a kid for a for a thousand bucks a piece we'll fly them out we take care of their uh, the the cars the airplanes the food the tents the we take care of everything Yep, and this is not the organization. This is you and Val. Yeah, well, yeah, we take care of the first bunch, let's say, and we used to sponsor it all. Are you a 501c3? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We used to, uh, Val and I used to sponsor it all, frankly, but then people say, well, you should get other people involved Mm -hmm. because other people want to be part of that. So then what we did, we we kick it off every time. At least uh, we'll we'll buy or we'll match. Yeah, the next three or five people that step it up, step up and sponsor somebody, and then uh, so we'll get uh, uh, about twelve to fifteen, well, fifteen uh, people to uh, or us to uh, put in. So we get fifteen thousand dollar, let's say, uh, bank, mm-hmm. and then what we do is uh, have the kids. We go to high schools and different places and make presentations, and we get uh, kids. Uh, 
write an essay to qualify themselves. Right, right. So they have to show an interest. They've got to do a little work. And then they get a total free trip. And and what we do is take them out there. We drive uh, drive them out to a site. And it's all pre uh, prearranged with uh, the Arizona DNR and the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society. It's all coordinated by by all them, and they've got all the materials there. And we just work their tail off for two and a half days, <laughs> and it's amazing how hard they work. And they what are they, what are they doing? Well, they're digging holes. They're putting up fences. They're what we have to do is build a whole rail fence, a metal fence all around this water hole to keep the burrow, wild horses and the burrows out. Okay. They're out and in the it, desert, and there's and, wild horses, there's burrows, and they're doing this for the sheep. But tell burrow us Burrow is in, like, donkey? Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Tell us how, what the water hole is. No, the water hole is what <clears throat> we usually bury two or three big tanks underground with a large, like a roof, sheet metal roof at a slight angle four four degree angle and uh, then it goes into a trough and then it dips it then it goes into these three big tanks and then there's there's an outflow we we put a drinker out and it and it uh, it automatically you know the uh, gravity fed all the time it there'll be water in that drinker and where does the water and, come from? And the water initially Rain? comes, they, the DNR will dump great big loads of water in there to start it off. Like and a big it, cistern? Yeah, well, it's a great big bladder. Okay. It's great. like what they use to put out forest fire, for yeah, fires. Yeah. Yeah, the, like the helicopter or the whatever. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's helicopter. Okay. And they open that bottom That's up. It's pretty cool. And, they, they, and it hits that, hits that 10 pretty hard sometimes, but... But now they, they, they go pretty close to it. Boy, these guys are good. And they open that bladder up, and it just flows. And that, that's how they start it, kick it off. And then when it rains, it's, they've got that sheet of metal uh, figured out just enough to fill these things up. And then it actually... And they get actually, so little rain. It actually feeds that drinker. And it, the drinker is small, so it doesn't evaporate. Mm-hmm. And the sheep have to walk down there, but it's good for sheep and birds, and I mean it's good for wildlife. Period. Absolutely. It's, when we help, when we help one species, we help them all. You know, our last guest that we had here, Thurman Tucker, with the Quail Forever, we were talking about uh, habitat and how his habitat for quail benefits the deer. It benefits the songbirds. It sure. benefits all the birds. It benefits the the pollinators. So, and all these different nonprofit organizations like Pheasants Forever, and we keep talking about the Turkey Federation. Whereas the Sheep Foundation, their program to get kids involved is you. You get the kids involved. Well, yeah. So that's a huge, I thought huge it was so deal. important to get these young people because sheep hunters are generally an older Absolutely. group of people. Look at you. And <laughs> he got one back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How does Lynn's I love you. live with you? I don't know. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. 
<laughs> you talk about camaraderie. When, me, that, and, uh, when me and Oscar are hunting, it's zingers it, left it, and right. It, it, yeah, we <laughs> go back and forth. He usually wins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but birds, I mean, birds, yeah. bees, you should see the bees that show up to this really? water. Oh, yeah. It's just a. How big is the drinker you're talking the about? The drinker itself is only about four, four by seven, eight. The drinker itself. Okay, that's not and super it, big. No, no, it's pretty small, and uh, and it's kind of uh, out of the sun most of the time because it's it's made to. Uh, they have to walk in, walk down to it. So Facing it's in north, the shade. maybe. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's protected so it doesn't evaporate so fast, uh, and it's 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 an amazing project. Well, I've only seen video of it. I'd love. Uh, I know I volunteer to go with you if you ever need a uh, a guardian or a, what do they call that? A mentor? Or? No, no, a guardian. You know where they, when the kids go to the prom, they have a uh, anybody chaperone. 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 You were looking for chaperones one year, and uh, yeah. you wound up with enough, but. Would love to go on a deal like that. What a cool thing! And good for you, Oscar Carlson, for getting some kids involved in a program like you just said. It's typically uh, sheep hunters are older, and not necessarily old older, but you have to have a fair amount of uh, patience to actually get a license, applying year after year after year. But uh, it's not a cheap hunt. It's no, not a it's not cheap, cheap license. It's not a cheap hunt, and it's not just for the average blue-collar guy. So, not anymore. Uh, no. You know, when I first started, right. I think it was. Yep. You know, you could uh, put down 4500 or something eventually, you know, and, and go on a hunt. But uh, now it's, uh, it's, it's big bucks, frankly. It's no question about it unless you get lucky on a draw. Yeah, you talk about I think about 25 years ago I was in Iowa pheasant hunting, and there was a just a great guy that used to put us up, uh, me and a couple friends, and he had a sheep on the wall. I don't know if it was a doll sheep. I think it was a doll sheep. And I'm like, what little I knew about sheep hunting, I'm like, where did you get that? And I think it was British Columbia. And he was a very, he was a man of very humble means. He was a farmer down in Iowa, and I'm like, and he had an old farm, you know, an old, one of those old Iowa farmhouses, and I'm like, here he's got a sheep on the wall. I'm like, wow. It was, and, and it wasn't that impressive to a lot of people because they didn't know what it was all about. Yeah, they didn't realize what it was. Yeah. Well, Minnesota doesn't, you know, and Midwest yeah. doesn't have any sheep. You right, know? right. So you got to have uh, an experience or a passion or something. Uh, something, uh, uh, yeah. But uh, Got him uh, going on that. But the kids uh, really, they, lots of them had never, we go to these small towns a lot of time and, and uh, have these kids, they get pretty excited about going on a trip, first of all. Some of them have never been on a plane. All right. And, wow. And uh, a lot of them had never seen the desert. A lot of them had never camped. Or, you know, it's just a great experience for all of them. And a lot of them can't hike. And then we always have... <clears throat> three hours of a of a D, a DNR or a, a game warden come and give them a, a tour, a walking tour of the of the plants and 
and animals. Here's a tarantula. That's a scorpion. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a wonderful education. And I mean, just what an absolute wonderful. Uh, uh, if you find that in your sleeping bag, find a different sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what an adventure for those kids. Yeah. I mean, my yeah, goodness. So and we've enjoyed it. I've done that for, uh, Val has attended every one of them except the last one. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, uh, COVID has got everything knocked down. Well, yeah, that, that, changed, that changed everything. But, you know, her knees and my knees, and I probably shouldn't be going up there anymore either. But I can uh, barely growl something with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> because well, I can't keep hey, up with you. There's a lot of drumming going on up at my place, by the uh, way. Let's get it next next fall, <clears throat> this coming fall. Let's let let's get through summer, and anyway. I can never wait for fall. But you know, the springtime is like I live for the springtime and the fall. The turkeys, and and then the fall we have all the different hunting going on. We went to the Black Hills a couple uh, springs ago to chase turkeys. Oh, did you? Yeah, and, uh, they're man. gone. Just could not find any. You know anyone. who I talked to today? I talked to Tom Glines, who's going to be a future guest of ours. He was the Midwest, uh, uh, the regional director for the Wild Turkey Federation. Good friend of mine, did a lot of shows with him. And he finally, remember, we were in, we were in South Dakota. And I call called him. Tom up and I said, Tom, where the hell are all the turkeys? And I was so adamant about it, I think he said, well, I'm not going to call him back. And oh. anyway, he called me yesterday and uh, yesterday or today. and uh, They all run together, you yeah, know. They right. do run yeah. together. Well, when you're drinking, everything runs together. But uh, the, if we're going to talk about turkeys, you know, he's got a lot of turkeys up at his place, but there's a lot of places where the turkeys are getting hammered by animals that never used to qualify to be able to uh, hammer a, a turkey like the bobcat out in the Black Hills where you and I were. They're devastating them. Uh, not Valentine, Nebraska, the turkeys, there used to be thousands of turkeys, and now there's hardly any turkeys. The coyotes have gotten educated. They know how to get after them. The bobcats are more and more, and there's, you know, certainly in the Black Hills there's mountain lions. But even in my hot spot in Wisconsin, I didn't see any turkeys for the last two years. Mm. Wow. And, and, you know, they're such a durable uh, bird. And they, I, I just don't know what to say about it other than the predators have become educated on how to get after turkeys. You know, I got a, uh, on my game camera, I got the biggest bobcat on my game camera that I've ever seen by far. He looked. He looked like a mountain lion. Yeah, this is in, in your Landamora. My Landamora, hmm. amazing big bobcat. I mean, yeah, they're becoming I so. Saw, I actually saw a video. Maybe you guys have seen it of a bobcat that took a not. It wasn't a wasn't a fawn either. It took a deer down. Really? Wow! Saw a, a video of it. This hunter was was up in a tree stand, and he took a video of this. Uh, Bobcat taking a deer, and it wow. was—I thought, holy smoke! That's uh, so they're getting—they're uh, getting more prevalent, and, and, and they're getting more educated. I don't know what to say about it. The turkey was so famous for being the most durable bird on the planet. You know, they could survive anything, the weather. I mean, they're up in Canada now, for crying out loud, and they're up in the northern Minnesota where we hunt. It's like just amazes me that I'm seeing 
uh, places like the Black Hills where you and I went and places like Nebraska where they used to be just, it used to almost be easy to get a turkey, mm. a Miriam out there. And now we're not even seeing them. So I don't know what the heck's going on, but we're going to have Tom Glines on as a guest in the near future. And we will get the answers from the horse's mouth. Mm. Maybe oh, he calls you back. <laughs> yeah, he finally did. Uh, that was great. Danny, uh, do you have any pictures that you want to throw up on the screen there uh, that we can elaborate? There's Oscar and a oh, bear that nice black bear. we were together. <laughs> um, there's Oscar and his cannon. And uh, that, that looks poor like a 30 bear. That, oh, no. That bear. 270? No, 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 I used that 300 Ultra. Oh, That bear came <clears throat> into the bait, and that's, as you can see, that's a very nice bear. And I vividly remember. How can what, you tell? Looks kind of grumpy to me. <laughs> well, you know, don't get confused uh, as to the size of a grizzly bear versus a black bear. This is a black bear, and they're considerably smaller, typically, than a grizzly bear. But he's got a fine representation of a black bear right there. And when he hammered him, <laughs> that thing, Shane, from where you're sitting, say you were the bear, he blew him sideways to approximately where the monitor is. <laughs> Rolled over. I mean, you did mention earlier about that gun not leaving any doubt. I, <clears throat> I don't want to chase anything anymore. No. My knees can't <laughs> handle it. I got <laughs> to kill him now. <laughs> One squeeze and it's over with. You bet. You know, Danny, uh, throw the picture up there of uh, there's a, a bear that we didn't harvest. Uh, and it's got a, it's a, not a very good picture. There it is. Look oh, at that thing. Oh, yeah, that thing. That's a picture off of a game camera. Now, any bear hunter would take one look at that, and I've shown that to probably 100 guys, and they all have the same response. Oh, my gosh. That's that, a huge bear. That, that, that thing is off the chart. I think, and I've. This is up on your land? That yeah. was my brother's land. Not I think that bear know. was between 600 and 700 pounds. Yeah, I, I and I don't think that. there's anyone that would disagree with me. I believe that, yeah. 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 But we never got him. No. I think we, the neighbor got him. We well, went after him a few times, but we couldn't. He never came in for us. We got to well, set up a bear hunt there, Mr. Cat. <laughs> I got you on the agenda. All right. Uh, you know, your last guest had... Uh, uh, was talking about birds a lot. And, yep. You know, it's amazing how many species, like the meadowlark, that are really. I mean, I don't. I they used to be on the farm when I was on the farm. They were all over the place. The killdeer, the red-headed uh, woodpecker. The what I really remember is the bobolink. Yeah, there used to be bobolinks. You know, there's nobody. Maybe, never, maybe you've never even seen one, Shane. I haven't. Shane, Let's get, get the Google nobody, going. What's a bobolink bob look like? There's nobody on the planet that knows more about birds than this man right here. Uh, as I, much as he's a big game hunter, he sits on his couch with his binoculars and his bird feeders and up in the woods, and he knows every single bird that comes into that feeder. Danny, can you find us a bobolink? Bobolink. Yeah. Well, that wine sounds good. The wine is good. <laughs> what did you open for him there? I didn't see it. It's uh, obviously it's Cabernet. A we had another bottle of wine up there that uh, has been sitting there a little bit uh, too long. Yeah, so so many birds are, are are really diminished. One of the here we go. There you go. Yeah, 
There used to be pretty a lot of them, uh, per, pretty prevalent up there when I on their farm. When uh, but now I'm lucky to see one a year. Really, one. Like Thurman Tucker said, uh, I can remember, you know, he hit on a spot. Remember when we used to see just the waves of blackbirds? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't really think about it until he said it. I don't know that I see those. Maybe once in a blue moon, I see a little wave of black, but they're not like they used to be where they used to go for miles and miles and they'd come across the road and they'd keep coming and coming and coming in waves. And I don't see that anymore. You know, it's not only the feral cats and uh, the chemicals. Uh, you know, another thing that really frosts me, and I don't want to get too political here, but those uh, great big uh, uh, windmills, wind turbines, wind, the turbines up in the air. I mean, I hear that in below some of them, the the birds are actually in piles. Really, because they're migrating through these wind areas. Because that's where the they put these uh, these uh, the big wind turbines, the big turbines. Yeah, and they're they're just chopping them and chopping them and chopping them, and they just be a big. I've heard that, and we're getting almost nothing for energy from them. Oh, they're they're such a inefficient. Come on, let's jump on it. Let's get political. Whoa. <laughs> we got rules. I better, uh, we we have a rule. Let's get refills on the booze. Okay, We're going to get political. Get, give me more wine. I'll, yeah. get fired up. I'll get fired up here. Everyone's quick. cut off. Everyone's cut uh, off. Uh, anyway. I, I don't doubt that, but I, I many years ago I'd hunt down by South of Marshall, Minnesota, and uh, we actually hunted in a windmill area, and I don't recall ever seeing that, but uh, we'd pheasant hunt down there, and I don't recall ever seeing that, but that's when they first popped up. And now they're everywhere. And I know I see a commercial recently that says, we've, we are the company that puts out the windmills, and we're so conscientious that we track the travel patterns and the migration patterns of the Golden Eagle. And, okay, that's good, but you can't track all the patterns of all the birds because that what, what you're saying may or may not be uh, absolute. I don't know. Well, pheasants don't get high enough to get in there. Right. <laughs> but but lots of the migrating ducks and birds. I mean, right now, I'm for the today was the first day I saw a uh, yellow rump warbler, for instance. They're mm-hmm. migrating. You know, that's one of the migrations that are coming up right now uh, into our area. And it's uh, but there's thousands of or hundreds of species that migrate back and right, forth right back and forth and they got to go through these a lot of them got to they're go going through, through the gauntlet sounds like yeah they are oh man i i'm just res, i'm just restraining myself from getting political here and so yeah let's not do that subject. let's not do that yeah and, and actually i think we do probably got to bring this thing in for a landing yeah, yeah. we're getting That's up against fine. the clock a little bit is i i have one thing i'd like to do shane sure um, I have the pictures, and I just want to make sure that we got through all of um, the pictures that Show Oscar brought. Show them up. Let's go. Because they're wild. So I was thinking we could just go, and uh, you tell us where this is, the name of the animal, and where, where it was harvested, if you can remember, Oscar. So if you... Oh, you know. boy. Oh, no I no pressure. There it's you a doll go. sheep. That's a doll sheep up in uh, British Columbia. Another doll? Uh, that's another doll, but that's in Alaska. 
That's a stone sheep uh the Yukon, I think. You could lie, we wouldn't know. That's a <laughs> <laughs> that's a desert bighorn from uh the island of uh, uh, down in Mexico, and that's a uh, awdad down in Texas. Almost said crawdad. Crawdad. Nope. crawdad. It's a huge <laughs> crawdad. That's a huge. Uh, that's a that's huge another, crawdad. That's another uh, sheep down in the Me- in, uh, island of uh, uh, down in Mexico. It's, I got two of them down there. That's in Spain. That's right. I hunted Spain. I got some beautiful animals out of Spain. What was that? What was the name of that last one? That is uh, ibex. It's uh, I don't know. There's a bunch of different ibexes. I forget. I'm sorry. I understand. I can't imagine remembering all those. I know this is fun. I'm younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, in Spain also. Mouflon. Mouflon. That's a Transcaspian Ural from uh, to Turkmenistan. That one's hard to spell, just so you guys know. <laughs> that's a high Altai Argali from Mongolia. And that's Oscar on the left. <laughs> <laughs> With his tan. That's Ula, Yula. 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 That is another high Altai Argali from uh, uh, Mongolia. Yeah, what a beautiful animal. That's a... A Tibetan blue sheep, or a China blue, whatever you want to call it, from, uh, uh, well, I was up in the northern part of China there. Wow. That's uh, from Tajikistan. That's my Marco Polo. That is so cool. That is another, that's a mid, that's a Gobi Argali from the Gobi Desert of Mongolia. Huge animal, huge. That's a red sheep from uh, uh, Texas, actually. Oh, that was a, man, that one was a high Altai Argali from Mongolia. That was, that one was huge. That one, I walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and, and hiked and hiked and climbed for that guy. I almost gave up. You earned that one is what you're saying. Oh, man, did <laughs> I ever earn that one. That's from Mexico, one of my first big, uh, that was a big uh, desert bighorn from a good friend of mine, Martin Leone, in Mexico. All right, that's all I got. Some pretty impressive photos. Very impressive. And that's just the sheep, right? And the goats? Yeah, we're not talking about the elk, the grizzly bear, um, all the other one, the sheep. Uh, Excuse me, not sheep. Lots of deer. The goats, the mountain goats. goats. All the goats. Well, we are definitely going to be having you back again, sir, if we can convince you to come back. (laughs) One more time. (laughs) One more time. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll have some good Pinot Noir. Okay. If you get Pinot, (laughs) maybe I'll get my wife to come. Absolutely. That'd be great. She can come. Acceptable. Definitely. She can come to Bunny. She'll probably have some great stories, too. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Well, here's a trip that I let him go on that I'm never going to let him go on again. <laughs> she might she might be hearing some of those stories for the first time and be giving you the stink eye. <laughs> you didn't tell me about that. Or, or, she'll be or when you told me it was a little different than that. <laughs> the real details. The real story. She'll yeah. give us that. Well, when we started Boosh and Backstraps, we told our listeners that we are going to have very colorful guests. You did not. Um, we did not disappoint tonight. 
Right. Um, we've had some great, great grass. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> Forgive me, Jack Daniels. We've had some great guests. And you're uh, Oscar, you're about the best we've had, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're a Agreed. great man, and uh, you're you're so generous. And what I love most about you is you're a good Christian man, and uh, you know how to take care of your friends and family. And it's a pleasure to have you here tonight, pal. And Thank I look you. forward to uh, many more years of knocking down the, the wild grouse and anything else we can do together. Golfing, you should see us on the bingo. golf course. Holy bingo. Moly. Yeah, it's gonna dry. we're gonna go down to bingo. I can't quick, see yeah. my golf ball fly, and he can't see. And it's just a comedy of errors out there on the golf course. Can I bring my Minnesota foot wedge with me? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No. Well, I don't think you'd be invited well, he if you didn't have it all the time. I don't use it, but you know, get that sucker out of the bag. <laughs> Did you that see sounded, that? That sounded like something out of Caddyshack. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, thanks a lot for tuning in this week to Boots and Backstraps. And, again, special thanks to Oscar Carlson for joining us. We appreciate having you. My pleasure. It was fun. Make sure you check us out on the video platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Facebook, and, of course, all the available audio platforms, including Google Play and iTunes and all that sort of thing. Spotify, Apple Podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, Give us a like, comment, and a share. And do us a favor if you're on one of those platforms and subscribe to our channel. We'd love to... Have you back for future episodes and checking out our other episodes. TK, come on now. I'd like to close with uh, what I always close with. Uh, Whether you're belting out your favorite country song or pursuing your favorite game animal, I encourage you to use that same passion to pursue the Lord. He'll teach you to shoot straight. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Come on now. On his own, looking for backstraps Way deep in the woods Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield Under the harvest moon When the tags are filled It's time to switch up our boots Head down to the honky-tonk Get us a swing dance or two We're talking about boots And backstraps